1: Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 237 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. In today's episode, Justin welcomes back Ryan Burns, Gophers publisher for 24-7 Sports, to discuss this year's matchup with Minnesota. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for the latest deals, cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Reach out to Monty at 402-770-3356. Go
0: Big Go Big We're really excited to welcome Ryan Burns back to the show. Ryan is publisher at 247 Sports covering Minnesota, been on the podcast a number of years in a row now. Welcome back, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate you having me back. It has been a few years now, hasn't it? Well, I always, I always appreciate your enthusiasm to talk with us and, uh, and your your knowledge about about the Gophers. You, uh, just a complete package. Wait a, you know, keep up the good work. I need you to put that in writing somewhere.
2: That's, I think that's the nicest thing someone said to describe me in some time, so I'm going to keep coming on this podcast.
0: You bet. Yeah, you can put that on top of your resume um, if it helps. I mean, happy to be a, a plug for you there. What um, I was just looking back at the score of last year's Nebraska Minnesota game. What a weird game. They come to Lincoln, how many people down and and Nebraska's like we're going to win this one and just not not a great outcome for Nebraska. What 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 happened there? Like was that was was he saying we've got like 30 people out but they're all the third string guys or like what was the deal? Yeah. I mean, you look
2: back at that game, and I was just going back through it here trying to refresh my memory. and It was just a very strange time, especially for the Minnesota team. They were, I think they were down 34 players. I think it was like 20-something with COVID and another 14 with injuries, something like that. And I remember looking at the participation report after that game, and there were a lot of guys that got their season high in snaps <laughs> against Nebraska. Yeah. But the thing I'll remember most is I couldn't figure out for the life of me the game plan for Scott Frost in that offense. Because Minnesota was absolutely dreadful against the run. And Nebraska starts by just pounding the rock. And then you have Luke McCaffrey come in. He throws a pick to a one of Minnesota's safeties. And then they just kind of went away from the run. And then Minnesota, just at the end of the game, you look up and you're like, how is Nebraska not winning this football game with what Minnesota had out there. I, I think they were, had a brand new offensive line. I, I know they had a had a true freshman starting at right tackle, a couple other uh, different guys in there on the offensive and defensive lines that were starting freshmen at defensive tackles. And Minnesota was absolutely horrific against the running backs last year. And that's what Nebraska does to start the game is they pound the rock, they find success, but then they just go away from it. And then, you know, I, I also look back at it And I remember thinking, watching that game, I was like, how is Adrian Martinez regressed so much where he couldn't even complete a forward pass at that point? And it was, again, that was not a very good Minnesota defense, especially that day for the bodies they had. But again, that's one of the ones P.J. Fleck loves to talk about now is one of the favorite games that he's won just because of all the guys that were down and everything. And trust me, he brought it up again, I think, at Big Ten media day. So. For all you Nebraska fans, it's not going away. Yeah. There's,
0: I don't know if there's a thing there between PJ and Scott. I don't think Nebraskans do, but uh, when Scott said he wasn't big into slogans, when someone asked him what his slogan was, I feel like a lot of Minnesotans were like, oh, he hates PJ. And it's like, well, it's not really what he said, um, but I I guess I can see where that came from.
2: It's funny like he said that because then I had a couple of people text me um, Nebraska t-shirts from last summer where there's slogans all over them. And then they're like, how can he say this? But then actually Nebraska has slogans last year. And I was just like, I don't want to tweet this out. I just want to let it go. I don't care enough to like, again, PJ, no one likes PJ. (laughs) Like, I get it. I mean, he's, he's a lot different than Kirk Ferentz and Scott Frost and Mr. Cole's slacks over there at Wisconsin. I mean, he's a lot different and I get it. But Again, he. I really don't think he could care less of what anybody thinks about him.
0: Uh, I believe you. So, um, so the record from Minnesota last year was three and four, and with a three-week kind of lull in there, missing out on playing Wisconsin and Northwestern. So your wins are over Purdue. Illinois and Nebraska, losses, pretty resounding loss to start the season off to Michigan, overtime loss to Maryland, overtime loss to Wisconsin, and then a smackdown at Iowa. What do you make of it? It's just a weird COVID year. I mean, is that all to take away from it? I mean, Minnesota, you look at it, though, I mean,
2: they go three and four, but they blow a three-score fourth-quarter lead against Maryland on the road. It was absolutely dreadful to watch where Minnesota tried to go trestle ball and just run, run, pass. And then their defense was so bad that it didn't make any sense to do that. But that's what Minnesota did. They end up losing in overtime because Minnesota special teams misses a kick to force another overtime. And then, I mean, they had as good of a chance as I've seen to win in Madison. I mean, I know they won there just a few years ago, but, I mean, Graham Mertz wasn't good, gets out of the game, and – Again, Minnesota misses another kick. And again, they're a couple kicks away from being five and two. But I also understand, you know, I mean, you look at some of those games last year where Minnesota beats Purdue on an interception late in the game. Minnesota beats Nebraska in a game that maybe they shouldn't have, uh, you know, had much of a chance in. It was a weird year, and especially with all the different things that were going on up here in the Twin Cities, and I know Fleck likes to talk about it, but that was the reality. I mean,
0: mm, yeah. everything that
2: was going on with George Floyd and then COVID, I mean, Minnesota had, didn't really conduct a lot of in-person things uh, during the weeks because they had so much COVID, they would do their teaching sessions via COVID, which explains a lot with how bad they were defensively to me, but it was a weird year. And I kind of look at it now going into 2021 where, uh, you know, Minnesota's got 20 starters back and the two guys they lost were top 100 picks. And I think there's optimism that if this defense can just figure it out somehow, I mean, they brought in some guys in theory, another another year of experience. But I mean, yeah, you have another year of experience for this team uh, defensively, but they weren't any good really defensively for a large majority of the year. So is that good experience or are we just talking about experience as a whole? So it's going to be interesting because they lead off with Ohio State here in I think like 35 days or so. And, and then it kind of gets into it there uh, with they got to go to Colorado uh, just a couple weeks later. So I think there's certainly optimism that this could be more of a 2019 type year than a 2020 year. But I know that this team has to go out and show that
0: certainly. Uh, of those 20 starters, are there any, uh, super seniors in that lunch Oh yeah. I mean, uh, there's a couple of seventh year seniors,
2: which I've never even heard of. Yeah. I mean, wow. we're talking about guys who are very close to being able to rent a car at a much cheaper price than what they normally would be. So yeah, they got uh, a starting defensive tackle. Who's a seventh year guy. They got a tight end. Who's a seventh year guy. And where you look at like where the super senior thing helps, look across Minnesota's offensive line and defensive line. They're starting a sixth-year guy, a sixth-year guy, a fifth-year guy, a fifth-year guy, and then the fourth-year guy is the Australian monstrosity that is Daniel Falalele now that he's back with the team. And then on the defensive line side, they're going to be rotating probably eight, nine bodies across there, but every single one of them is fourth-year or older. I mean, how do you win in the West against Iowa and Wisconsin? Well, you better have a chance in the trenches – or else you're never going to be able to get there. And so that's where Minnesota finally was able to get old here in a hurry in year five for PJ.
0: That's fascinating. I'm really curious. I think everybody who has super seniors coming back is really excited about it and feel like it's a really big thing. But I don't think people have thought about that in relation to every other team where, you know, everybody, it seems, has a good chunk of super seniors coming back. So while we feel like, wow, we have these, you know, five, six guys on defense, Nebraska coming back, um, that means we're like the same, you know, as last year. And if you are going up against an offense where you've got all the five, six guys coming back um, maybe it's just a wash and I don't know, it might not be as impactful as some of us have, have hoped. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, so you've kind of talked around it. Maybe let's look at the schedule here for next year. You yeah. Yeah. Host Ohio state and M- Miami of Ohio, go to Colorado, which will be a really interesting host Bowling green to Purdue or host Purdue to excuse, two Purdue host Nebraska, host Maryland to Northwestern host Illinois um, at Iowa at Indiana host Wisconsin. What's, what's a realistic outcome for this season. Do you think?
2: Well, I mean, if you ask Vegas seven and five, I mean, that's what they are across the books. I mean, I'm certainly much more inclined to think eight and four. Uh, more than seven and five. Again, that's because I don't think I was an eight and a half win over under type of team. Um, but I, again, you look at the schedule. I mean, I'm not picking Minnesota to beat Ohio State. I mean, I don't think there's going to be the, the Jeff Braun magic that there was a couple of years ago, uh, you know, when Rondale was just incredible there. But I mean, you look at the middle part of that schedule, uh, Miami of Ohio. I mean, the MAC teams don't scare me. Uh, you know, it's get. The Colorado one is interesting because, yes, you got to go play an elevation out in Colorado. Uh, you got to travel for the first time that year. But, I mean, historically, the way that PJ's teams have done against non conference opponents, in terms of, say, look at the bowl games, um, you know, whether it's Auburn, whether it's uh, you know, Georgia Tech. I even think about when Minnesota played Washington State a few years ago. I mean, these ACC and Pac 12 teams going against Big Ten physicality. And that's what Minnesota is going to want to do this year is run the ball with the Big Ten running back of the year, Mohamed Ibrahim. He's going to get 25 touches a game. And I think that sets up better than what I think many people think. Plus, I I can't tell you how many people have said, yeah, we're going out to Colorado to the point where, I mean, it it might be like a neutral type of game for the amount of Minnesota fans that will be out there. And then you get to October. At Purdue doesn't scare me. I still don't think Jeff Brom has a defense. Then you get a bye week before the fighting Scott Frost come to town. I think that's going to be advantageous for Minnesota, especially because the week before, while Minnesota has it off, Nebraska hosts Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at home. The week before that, they get to face Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, that's two tough teams uh, compared to Minnesota facing Purdue and then having a bye week.
0: Yeah, They get
2: Maryland at home, which I don't know what to expect because, again, Minnesota was up 21 points third quarter or in the fourth quarter last year, and they blew it. Um, And then, I mean, what do we think of Pat Fitzgerald because Minnesota's got to travel this year to Evanston. And they lost a ton. I mean, they lost a significant amount. They lost a very important coordinator for them too. And I just don't know what to expect with Northwestern. And then for November for Minnesota, I mean, it's hard. Yes, you have Illinois, which, again, first year head coaches in the Big Ten. You look at their record in the last 10 years. I'm not expecting a lot uh, from Brett Bielema's team here in 2021, especially because Minnesota gets them at home. But you have three ranked games to end the year. You're at Iowa, you're at Indiana, and you host Wisconsin. So, I mean, when you look at what's the trajectory for Minnesota, I mean, they for sure have to go one for three in those final three Minnesota's one and seven against the rivals of Iowa and Wisconsin and PJ Fleck tenure that's got to change. And again, I think this is a vulnerable Iowa team this year compared to maybe what they've had historically, you get Wisconsin at home and we'll kind of see where things are at for Iowa in late November, or Indiana, excuse me.
0: Yeah. In late who knows, November. Right?
2: Right. Yeah, It's going to be, I think it's an interesting year for Minnesota. Uh, because it is year five, and they have a lot of returning experience. You got a fourth-year starter, a quarterback, experienced offensive line, uh, and you got Mo Ibrahim. I mean, I think the floor on this team, because of the offense, is high. The question is, can the defense provide anything to kind of get over the hump? Because there's going to be a lot of close games on the schedule.
0: Yeah, you know, if the if the West is close, and I, as we were talking beforehand, it's really hard to know who who is going to seize it. I mean, that November stretch will be decisive for. For Minnesota, if they're in the running. Um, talking to our friends at the Eyes on Big podcast, they had a couple of good questions for you. Um, the first being, who are the difference makers in the front seven, do you think?
2: Uh, first one that comes to mind is Boya Mafe. Uh, he was a Big Ten Media Days, just talked to him here a few days ago. And I think he has a ceiling um, that I haven't seen a Minnesota defensive end have in a long time. Now, Carter Coughlin was really good 40 tackles for loss and like 22 sacks in his career ends up becoming a seventh-round pick. But, I mean, I think if Boye can figure it out, he is 6'4", 262, and he told me the other day, at 262 pounds, he just had a 40-inch vertical. I mean, he is incredibly athletically gifted, leads the teams in sacks and tackles for loss last year, but he's going to need help because or else it's going to be a tight end on his side every time, and he's just going to be getting chipped the whole time. So you look at a couple of the guys that Minnesota brought in, a guy like Niles Pinckney. He played 1,200 snaps at Clemson comes into Minnesota's defensive tackle room. They're hoping to get a lot more from them. Uh, You look at someone like Jack Gibbons, another transfer Minnesota brought in from Abilene Christian, an FCS institution down in Texas. He was a four-year starter for them. Minnesota's linebackers last year, they were incredibly inexperienced and they weren't very good. Well, they're hoping that Gibbons can help solve some of those problems with his experience and then Mm -hmm. teach the young guys as he's also out there. So the question is going to be, can Minnesota generate a pass rush? Because if they can generate a pass rush, Well, an inexperienced type of secondary that was exposed at times last year isn't going to have to cover for five and a half seconds. They're only going to have to cover for three. And it's a lot easier to cover for three than it is five and a half. So I think if Boya can get going, if they can get something out of their defensive tackles, of which you'll be rotating a seventh-year guy and Micah do Treadway. Niles is a sixth-year guy. They brought in a NC State defensive tackle transfer by the name of Val Martin. Uh, someone they're expecting to provide some pass rush, especially on passing downs. And then I have a couple of younger guys who started against Nebraska last year who are technically still freshmen in Rashad Chaney and D'Angelo Carter. And it, it's going to be up to them because if Minnesota can't stop the run again, which they were, again, really bad at last year, why would you go away from the run? And if they can't be able to generate a pass rush, which they struggled at last year, uh, it's going to
0: be tough sledding for this defense once again. So kind of a variation on the question. We just worked through a bigger picture. So it's it's November 2021. We've already talked. It's going to be a crucial month for, for the West, for Minnesota. Um, if if the defense is looking good, who are the big names going to be? I'm, I'm assuming Boye Mafe is one of them. It'll be Boye. I mean, it'll be probably Niles Pinkney. I think Jack Gibbons again.
2: Um, you know, And I think the secondary especially is going to have to take a step forward. So you'd be looking at a sixth-tier corner. Like Coney Durr, who has started for Minnesota for quite some time, they're going to need to get a lot better safety play from their two safeties, who, uh, you know, was their first year start. <coughs> excuse me, uh, starting at their respective positions because one was a free safety and one was a strong safety, and then in 2020 they switched and they didn't get any time to really learn because of COVID. So both Tyler Newman and Jordan Howden are going to have to take steps forward. Um, I would tell you if Minnesota is seriously competing, looking into those final three games mm-hmm. against Iowa, Indiana, and Wisconsin, it's probably going to be because Jordan Newbin, or excuse me, Jordan Howden took a step forward at safety to kind of provide more of a playmaking and physical presence type in the box there. And then yeah, if they're also competing, that means Minnesota found an outside corner because they need one without Benjamin St. Juice, who started the last couple of years, was the third round draft pick of the Washington football team. They're going to need some help there. But I would imagine it's going to be a lot of Boye, Mafe, Niles, um, you know, and those different types of guys there that I mentioned.
0: Who is uh, the biggest NIL beneficiary at Minnesota? <laughs> I mean, you'd, ha- you'd have
2: to think it's going to be Mo Ibrahim to start. Um, Again, reigning Big Ten running back of the year. I talked to him on Big Ten media days. Uh, He's got some NIL deals already set. He's going to be announcing them here in the next couple of weeks. He's going to have some merch coming out as well, which I know he's excited about. I know Tanner Morgan, Minnesota's quarterback, the fourth year starter, he's got some things in the works as well. Uh, But I mean, those two for sure are the face of the team right now. Um, You know, maybe someone can figure something out with Daniel Falele for his final season here. Um, and I say final season, I know he's a fourth year guy, but I'm going to tell you right now, if he starts and plays 13 games in Minnesota, uh, he's going to go to the NFL and he's going to be probably a top 100 draft pick just because there ain't a lot of guys that look like six foot eight, six foot nine, 370 pounds that can move the way he does, uh, yeah. especially with strength, but it's Mo for sure. I mean, he, again, from talking to him, he's got, I think three, four, five NIL deals already lined up. Cool. He signed with an agency. Um, so I mean, that's good for them. Cool.
0: Well, uh, Ryan can be found on social media at Ryan Burns, MN. Uh, where else can our listeners go to be reading your, your material? Yeah, I mean, you can just put it in the Google machine, in
2: Minnesota 24-7, or if you just want to put it verbatim into your URL, it's go for illustrated.com. And again, there'll be a lot of content coming out here in the next 37 days before Ohio State and then certainly in mid-October there before the Cornhuskers come up here to the twin cities to see if they can't figure some things out because I mean, I'm staring at that schedule right now. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it'll, it's an interesting year. I mean, I, I'd be curious to get your take before I, I sign off here. Is sure. what, what are expectations like? Because I look, I mean, I look at this schedule. I look at this team. Uh, again, I have a lot of question marks if, if Nebraska is going to be able to move the football through the air. Um, I, you had so many guys transfer out there. Again, Adrian Martinez, last I saw him, really struggled to complete a forward pass. I understand your defense is taking steps forward, and they did in 2020. But if Scott Frost goes six and six, I mean, what is the seat hot? I mean, what? especially with, the, don't you guys have a brand new athletic director as well?
0: Yeah, we, we do. Uh, the new athletic director was uh, played at Nebraska just before Scott. Um, I think they're on the same page. Honestly, if six and six with this schedule, I think might be decent. Um, I, Mike and I haven't done our season picks yet, but um, I think six and six and earning their, his first bowl game would actually be progress against what uh, one, one outlet labeled the second hardest schedule in the country. Um, You know, I, I've really come to the have the opinion that if you are counting on a new player, whether it's a transfer or an incoming freshman, to make a huge impact, like, you are in trouble. And there's several spots where we really are hoping that a transfer is going to be able to make an immediate impact. I'm thinking that, you know, one or two of them potentially can. Um, there's – so you've got – you've got improvement – you've got better athletes and better players in theory pretty much across the board. You've certainly got big 10 sized guys. I think that there was a, and our listeners have heard us talk about this. I think that Scott and company really tried to use their central Florida model the first couple of years, and they recruited those types of guys and it did not work. And they're pivoting and he's a young coach. He was only head coach for two years before he came to Nebraska. So I think at this point, like, we just need to see growth and progress and not be embarrassed. And frankly, like losing games to a team that hasn't played for three weeks and has like 30 players out, like that's not progress. No. So I think there's a lot you can chalk up to, there's a lot you can chalk up to COVID and the crazy stuff that happened last year, but we just really need to see consistency. They've really been preaching fundamentals and, um, you know, special teams improvement and just not beating yourself. And that's really something that has been needed. So, you know, we always, Nebraska always wins the off season, undefeated in the off season, always a lot of positivity. Um, but you know, that first game in Illinois is a really big deal and we need to win that game to really set a course and be prepared for that big 10 sec showdown at Oklahoma yeah, SEC, I like, that. I like the drop there. So it was like the
2: thought process going into that Minnesota game. you got, five, you got seven games before. You're hoping that they're five and two. You'd be okay if they're four and three. And if they're three and four, we're just going to light it all on fire and see where it goes. Because, again, Illinois, year one, first I mean first game in Champaign for Bielema. I think you guys should win Fordham. I mean, a first-year head coach with Buffalo, and they have to travel to Lincoln. I mean, I'm chalking up Oklahoma as a loss, especially in Norman. And then, you know, Michigan State, Northwestern, I, again, I don't know what to expect. You're on the road in East Lansing and then you get Northwestern and home. But I mean, is five and two probably the realistic? And then you have Michigan that comes into Lincoln after that. So, I mean, those last four games before Minnesota, I mean, what's, I mean, you're hoping you're three and zero out the gate. And then you're hoping that you split or, or what's kind of the thought process?
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, again, I haven't, I'm still talking to all you guys to try to assemble my thoughts, but that, that is kind of the hope. I, we got to kind of stockpile some wins early because as hard as Minnesota's stretches um, we've got Ohio state at Wisconsin and Iowa for our last three games. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be tough. So we need to, we need to have, You know, four or five wins before we get to Minnesota. I think. Um, I just, I feel like every time I pick us to beat Northwestern, it just always backfires. So I just don't want to pick that as a. Oh, trust me.
2: I mean, I know all about it. Um, You know, Minnesota didn't get to play Northwestern last season because of uh, COVID issues. But like, I just look at Northwestern this year, and I'm just like, they lost so much, and like. Who, how are they going to complete a forward pass? They yeah. lost the running back. They lost, um, you know, a, a key coordinator. They lost a lot defensively. And it's like, is this going to be somehow one of those years where Fitzgerald gets them to play up and then they go eight and four? Or is this going to be one of those years like 2019 where they go, th- I forget what they ended up going, like four and eight, something like that. I, I just don't know what to expect. And like, um again, Wisconsin's defense is, I have a lot of respect for Jim Leonard and everything, but like, yeah. how is Wisconsin going to be able to move the ball through the air? Um, is Graham Mertz going to be good or is he going to turn back into a pumpkin like he did last year? Um, and then Iowa, I have a lot of questions on their offensive and defensive lines. I think Petrus is incredibly average. Yeah, um, You know, lose their top two receivers in Smith-Marset and Brandon uh, Brandon Smith. And it's just like, I know they have got a good back seven, but again, I mean, Iowa was a team that was heavily looking into the transfer portal into the spring, looking for defensive line help. I mean, Iowa of all places. So that tells me they don't feel tremendous about what they have there besides Van Balkenberg, Like I understand Lindenbaum's a really good center for Iowa, one of the best in the country, but they don't have NFL tackles there right now. I mean, maybe Jack Plum turns into that. But I can assure you they'd love to have Bryce Benhart right now, as would P.J. Fleck. So,
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like everybody is really down on Nebraska right now, which honestly feels almost a little bit over the top or maybe under the bottom is the case maybe. I think we're going to be a little better than kind of the general consensus is. Whether we're a lot better, you know, remains to be seen.
2: Um, That's where I just – I just, I think, like I said, about five times already, and I know I keep rehashing this. I just think the West is so much more open than what these polls would lead you to believe. Um, I just think that every team has question marks, but every team you can answer those question marks and you think, well, I mean, there's a path for them potentially, especially in the West. I mean, outside of Illinois um, and Purdue... I mean, I think you can make a case, even though, I mean, Northwestern's win total six, Nebraska's a six, Minnesota seven. Again, I can't fathom eight and a half for Iowa, especially with their schedule as well. But again, I see paths for Nebraska. I see paths for Minnesota. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have the other three teams that I think can compete. So I think it's going to be a great November for everybody involved. Now it's going to be tough for you guys, and it's going to be tough for Minnesota, certainly. Um, but that's what makes it fun. And hopefully yeah. this is some interesting games down the stretch that lead to some interesting games, hopefully to, to end the season there.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I personally just can't wait to get in the stadium and um, watch a game in person. That'll be, that'll be really awesome. Got to see a practice, got to see a spring game. are yeah. nice, but uh, to go to a game will be, will be really wonderful. So. I'm all for it. Well on that, thanks for, Asking the question, I think these conversations are always more interesting when they are a two-way street, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think with that, I'll, I'll let you go. Thank you for your time. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Take care.
1: Thanks again to Mr. Burns for joining us on the podcast. As always, you can check out GophersIllustrated.com or follow him on Twitter. The links are in our show notes. Many thanks again to our sponsors, Central Nebraska Buffalo and Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. And just a heads up, folks, if you are not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so now because we're going to have a flurry of episodes, a plethora of podcasts coming your way in the in the next few weeks. So um, until then, uh, on behalf of Justin, this is Mike saying Go Big Red.